Welcome. Welcome to the Kingdom Summit Series. Amen. Amen. God has called us together for a time around his word to speak to us uh, in four areas. We have four uh, areas of emphasis or four summits that will come out of this summit series, this Kingdom Summit Series. And uh, the four areas that we are targeting uh, they are, uh, number one, the sung- Singles Summit, of which we are in tonight, and we will be concluding the teaching on the Singles Summit tonight. Lord, be our help. Then we will move into our next summit, which is our second emphasis, which will be the Prayer Summit. Amen. Amen. And then we'll see how the Holy Spirit will lead us in the last two, of which we will deal with one, which is the Evangelistic Summit. And then the fourth one is the economic summit. So those are the four areas or the four summits that we are really uh, pressing into um, so that we can uh, go to the next level in God. Well, let me just say it the right way. And this, what the summit is really about is getting us uh, in the essence of the word summit is to live at that zenith or at that high place that God has called us to. Not a high place of pride. None of that, we're not talking about that, but that there is a place that God is calling us up to. Amen. Even John chapter 10 and verse number 10, as Jesus was talking and teaching about the shepherd and the sheepfold, he, (coughs) excuse me, he begins to talk about uh, uh, that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Y'all remember that? But then he said that I am come that you may have life and have it how? More abundantly. So we find out there that Jesus is interested in his church, in his people living the abundant life. The abundant life is not relegated to financial status and height, but it is talking about living the maximum life that there is to be lived. Amen? Amen. Living the maximum life that is to be lived. It is called Zoe, the Zoe life, Z-O-E. Zoe life, not Z-O-A, because those are, those are angelic creatures, Zoa. But we're talking about Zoe, Z-O-E. That's living the God kind of life. Living at the top. Summit means zenith. Summit means mountaintop. Summit means turning point that takes us to the top. I believe it was the psalmist who said it like this. In his prayer to God, in a song, he said to make my feet like hinds feet. You remember that? Make my feet like hinds feet. And what's so significant about that, of course, a hind is a deer, but not just a deer, but a red-nosed deer. Excuse me, a red-tailed deer. And it is not not Rudolph, it's tail. Red-tailed deer. And and it's, it's a female in that. When a female is ready to give birth, a female deer cannot give birth in low places. So when the psalmist says, make my feet like hinds feet, he's talking about going up that, that a deer has to, has to give birth in high places. It has to leave the area down below and it, and it, and it travels up around the mountainside and it circles itself through the pathways of the mountain and the hills and it arrives at a safe height. Oh, a safe height so that she can give birth. And so that's what we want. 
Can't, this is about getting us to that place where God can, God, God can, can smile because we'll be living at the zenith or the fulfillment of our life. Isn't that good? Amen. So we don't, we, we, we're making a decision that we're not going to live the low life. We're going to live the high life. Amen. Amen. Not an arrogance, none of that, but just to the place that God has called us to. Glory to God. So this is a kingdom summit. And so now we have covered a lot of ground. And so let me catch us up to where we are so that we can bring this to close. Now, we said that as we're dealing with this, uh, that we're that we're really dealing with these four areas and targeting the enemy, Lord have mercy, the enemy that is assigned against our life to prevent us from reaching that place. Satan is behind it all, but he will use many things. There will be many things that will be used to try to prevent us from reaching that place in God. Yeah, yeah, he will. He'll use many, many things to keep us from arriving there. And the thing that we have been dealing with is the flesh. I I submit to you that it is the flesh that stops us from reaching the heights that we need to in being single. It is the flesh that pre- or tries to prevent us or that will prevent us if we allow it from reaching that height in God in the area of our prayer life. It is the flesh that gets in the way that tries to prevent us from doing the, what, what the mission is for the church. And that is the, the great commission for the church is to win the lost and disciples and to be disciples of men. Evangelism. It is the flesh that tries to stop us in the area of our finances. Amen. So we've been, we've been really targeting, we've been bowing, taking our bow and arrows and taking everything we have, rocks, throwing it at the flesh because it is our aim to dead the flesh, to kill the flesh. Are y'all with me? Amen. Amen. So then we said that the flesh is, just give me about three more minutes to do this quick review. We said that the flesh it's not necessarily what the Old Testament that we're referring to, not necessarily what the Old Testament is referring to, and that is dealing with family, flesh and blood, dealing with skin on our body, this flesh, right? Dealing with the, uh, uh, the humanity part of us. But more so, we're, we're, we're encompassing that, grabbing on to the New Testament understanding of flesh, which is from that word, sarx, S-A-R-X, which is a Greek word that speaks in terms of not just the physical aspects of flesh, but the moral aspects of flesh, which speaks to our lower nature, our sinful nature, our lustful nature, and to be more, to, to take it even deeper, it is to... to to that place of this unbridled passion, this passion that we have, where, 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 this passion that we have that is from our lower nature. Hmm. Y'all with me? In essence, I shared with you First Thessalonians chapter five, verses, uh, verse twenty-three, and that is Paul said, "I pray your whole spirit, soul." 
and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says, right? So we went there and we identified that you and I, we are made of three parts. We are tripartite beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. We are spirit beings. We live in a physical body and we possess a soul. Okay? So now with that, we understood that our spirit being who we really are gives us God consciousness. We established that our soul gives us self-consciousness. I know that I'm right here where I am. And that my body gives me world conscious. I'm able to touch things around me in this world. Now it is when man fell in the garden because of his disobedience, eat of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay, God said don't eat from that tree. But man ate. He he disobeyed. He ate from the tree and he died spiritually. Releasing This disobedience released sin, which produced the curse. Our spirit man, who we really are, died and went to sleep, if you will. Which means now, a three-dimensional person now lives two-dimensionally. He lives soulishly and by his physical flesh without the influence of his spirit. Now, that leaves us now to live by our lower nature. Because we don't have the influence of our spirit. The Holy Spirit has no human spirit to work through to live in because the human spirit is dead because of sin. So now our soul, which comprises of our mind, our will, our emotions, those three primary ones, and then of course our intellect and our imagination, but the primary one is our our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now we live life by our mind. Without the influence of the Holy Spirit. So whatever I'm thinking, that's what it is. My soul, my, 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 excuse me, my emotions, whatever I'm feeling, that's what it is. Without the influence of the Spirit. Are you all with me? So now I'm trained up under the reign and rule of sin giving voice through my flesh not this physical stuff come on but my lower nature my lust my passions y'all with me so now i'm trained through sin how to live in this world without the influence of the spirit yeah so anything i want i go after that's why i'm selfish now, I'm not saying me particularly. I'm just kind of talking. Y'all just follow me now. I, I pass through my selfishness. Hallelujah. I'm just talking. Just kind of follow me. Okay. But that's why I'm selfish. Okay. Let me say it right. Because some of y'all are pastors are selfish. That's why human beings are selfish. Okay. Because many times when we think in terms of the flesh, we automatically go to sexuality. We automatically go to eros, our sensual, the part of us. But it's more than eros, our sensual, sexual part of us. We're fleshy in our thinking. That's why we want to fight all the time. We we get mad at people and we want to fight. It affects, the reason why we have low self-esteem is because we have no Holy Spirit influence in our nature. 
So now my self-esteem is low. So now I live by comparison to others. I feel bad because I think you're better than me. So my fleshly response is to feel bad in life, to feel low in life. You know what I mean? To feel like I'm nobody and I need to be identified by somebody. So the first person that really shows some type of love towards me or lust towards me, I'll gravitate towards that. Because at least they're giving me their attention. I don't mind you using me, just stay with me. Y'all with me? Flesh. Everybody say flesh. Flesh. Amen. That's why we cheat on tests. All kinds. (laughs) School tests, life tests. We cheat. Because we're ruled by the flesh. Okay, pastor, what about when we get saved? Well, I was waiting for you to ask that question. We have been trained, highly trained, and highly developed in our soul... That once we get born again, our spirit man comes alive, says thank you, comes alive, right? But now we're alive to God, which means I have a desire for the things of God. But I've been soulish for so long that my soul has trained my body how to live in this world without the spirit. So I desire, come on, Paul, chapter number seven of Romans. That's why he's going through. He's having that struggle. When I would do good, evil is present with me. The good that I would, I don't do. But that which I do not, that I do. Okay, so he's going through the apostle Paul. Because you can be saved And still be carnal. Or have the influence of the flesh. I love the Lord. I do with all of my heart. But my soul has been so trained. By the the, the former king. Sin. Satan. Come on. Until now I have to be retrained. Or here's the word. Renewed in my mind. So then. The flesh. Is. An unrenewed mind. It is, a, it, it is a mind, a soul that is unrenewed. I'm saved, but my mind is not renewed. I'm saved, but my passion is still out of order. I love Jesus undeniably. But I've been so trained until every time I go past a package store, a liquor store, I, I, I have this pull towards it. Not that I want to go in there anymore because I love Jesus. But my soul has been so trained and it trained my body that every time I go by, I have this pull towards it. It's not me. Paul says I find a law. He found three of them. The law of the mind. The law of the spirit and the law of sin. He found three laws. And once he discovered that there are three principles in play, he says, ah, my struggling days are over. Yeah, yeah. 
Because he says at the end of chapter 7, I thank God through Jesus Christ. He talked about how much of a wretch he was, how bad he was. And then at the end of that chapter, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Or in other words, my answer is not in my flesh anymore. My, no need for me to, 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 to blame uh, sin and blame anything else. I now need to live according to the law of Jesus. Watch this now. Or through him. Paul said it like this also at the Philippian church, 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or gives me the strength. So I can get it done through him. Is that right? He transitions over into the 8th chapter of Romans and he starts talking about the law, the, the law of the spirit. He says the law of the spirit, in the law of life, he begins to talk about. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Right? Therefore, there's now no condemnation. Remember that? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So then he finds out how he wins. He knows living according to the law of the spirit or living a spirit-influenced, led life causes me to triumph in victory over my flesh. Y'all with me? Okay. So, we then went to dealing with our first summit, the single summit. So, journey with me over to Philippians. My, my, my. Didn't mean to say all of that. But I guess I did. Philippians 4, I just kind of showed you something, but Philippians 4, hallelujah, I'm sweating already, I think we're going to have a good night. Verse number 10, I'm going to go ahead and read it, it's in the King James Version, Philippians 4, verse number 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Y'all see that? Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be, come on, content. He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in how many things? All things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He concludes by saying, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. There we find out that the apostle Paul says that you, you were able to send your gifts to me while I was in prison. They stopped you from giving, but now your care has flourished for me again. In other words, I'm now receiving those gifts that you're sending to me. He said, but let me be very clear about this. I'm not excited and happy and thankful that I'm receiving from you, but I'm actually thankful and happy and excited about the fact that I am not held bound by your gifts. In other words, thank you for your gifts, but that wasn't the thing that kept me going anyway. He says, I've learned the secret to living life. I've mastered life. He says, I know how to be a hungry. I know how to be a base. You saw that in the scripture, right? I know how to abound, he says, right? I'm sorry. I know how to be hungry, know how to be full, know how to be a base, know how to abound. Okay? Now, right before that, he says, but I've learned, it was a learning process, how to be content. 
whatever state I am. Now, contentment doesn't mean I'm settling for something. Well, things won't get no better than this, so I guess I'll just settle for that. No, that's not what contentment means. Contentment means to be fully satisfied. That I'm full. Even though I'm hungry, I'm still full. Now, the reason why that is so powerful is you have to know the man's environment. He's incarcerated. He's in prison. He's in a lower dungeon. He is in a lightless place. And this man says, in a circumstance like that, I'm still fully satisfied. Yeah, I'm still fully satisfied. He said, I've learned how to be content in whatever state I am. Take away my food, I'm still fully satisfied. Give me a whole plate of food, still fully satisfied. Y'all with me? Now, we said now that this we extracted from this, that Paul in his contentment being fully satisfied was in essence single. This really depicts what it means to be single. Hmm. To be single. So, in case you missed any of the night, I want you to understand this. What we're really talking about in the single summit is not qualifying for marriage. That's not what we're here for. We're talking about being single because you can still be married and still not be single. You can be unmarried and still not be single. Because singleness means to be whole, to be complete, entire, lacking nothing, able to stand alone. Y'all with me? Or in essence, fully satisfied. To be whole, to be complete. I don't need anybody to complete me. Already complete. I made this comment, I believe it was last week, even as it relates to relationships. I said this, that if, if, if you and I really become single, or to the unmarried, if you really become single in your unmarried stage of life, it would be very difficult for someone to move you off of your singleness. It would be very difficult for someone to come along and say, will you marry me? And you answer to the affirmative. Because a single or a whole person does not want a fragmented person. So we looked at three areas of qualifications for being single or whole. We said, number one, stewardship. We said, number two, self-control. And number three, suitability. We found all that out in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. We pulled all of those three things, those three qualities out of Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. Okay? Now, let's bring it home. Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew 6. Follow me to Matthew chapter number 6. And we'll bring this singles summit to a zenith place. Matthew chapter number 6.
All right. Are you there? Matthew chapter number six. In Matthew five, just kind of follow me real quickly. In Matthew five, Jesus gives the Beatitudes. Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is is the excuse me, the longest recorded message of Jesus. This is the longest recorded sermon. Sermon on the Mount. In the Beatitudes, we find out that the Beatitudes really is or are kingdom mindset or is a kingdom mindset. The Beatitudes is the kingdom mindset. It speaks to how kingdom citizens live, respond, and react in a world. So it's, it's a kingdom mindset, a kingdom attitude, a kingdom mindset, a kingdom disposition. So those who are part of the kingdom of God, <clears throat> we think how Jesus thinks. We saw last week, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So I am what I'm thinking. That's who I really am. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So this is a kingdom mindset. Verse in chapter 5, you can just make a note, you don't have to go there. Chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 20, Jesus teaches and says that our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. That our righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. So I say it like this. That right thinking produces right living. Now, as we move forward in this sermon, we find in chapter 6 of Matthew. Follow me real quickly here. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse number one. Just kind of go with me. It says, take heed that you, that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no, what? Reward of your father which is in heaven. Verse two. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Watch this. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Look at verse number four. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy secret closet, into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall re, shall reward thee openly. 
Verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their... Verse 18. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, the reason why I wanted to pull out those scriptures, because it's speaking to us concerning reward for our actions. It's giving us, God, God is revealing to us that he wants to reward us, that he wants to bless us. But the reward that he blesses the righteous with is different than the reward that comes to the hypocrite. All right. Okay. He wants to reward us that things that we do, that if we have the right attitude about prayer, if we have the right attitude concerning finances, if we have the right attitude about treating one another, we get a godly reward. But if we have an attitude of pleasing men, have an attitude, come on, of pleasing the flesh, then the reward that we will receive comes from or of the flesh. Okay. Y'all with me? What am I getting after? I am getting after this, that a person who is single, one who is whole, complete, entire, lacking nothing, able to stand alone. That that person, that single person, understands that their reward or whatever it is that they're doing for the kingdom of God, for God, their lifestyle will yield an eternal reward rather than an earthly reward. An earthly reward is a reward that comes to, to please man or for you to applaud me for what physically or naturally I have done for you. And a, a reward in the world says, I am giving you this piece of paper, this trophy for how you performed in the world. How well you have done in the world. Let me keep working this. How well you have done for the world. How well you have kept up the world's standards. In other words, the world will pay you for keeping its standard. If you do this to please men, a man will pat you on the back and say, well done. But the problem with the reward that comes from man is that when trouble comes, when storm comes, when difficult times come, the reward will rust, it will burn, it will wear out, it will not last. Yeah, I know people who have had a fire in their house. They've lost pictures. Important, precious pictures. They've lost 
They have lost certificates that were on the wall. Trophies burned and melted. And many never recover from that fire because their heart, oh Lord, their heart was in their education. Their heart was in, come on, earthly things. But if you burn down my house, y'all, listen to me. If you burn my house down and I lose stuff from the house, the earthly stuff from the house, I'm not worried about that because I was never working in this world to get that reward. In fact, my work in the world had eternal value because I operated, come on, under the attitudes of the sermon of Jesus. Come on. I operated with the character of Jesus. I operated with a kingdom mindset. I remembered why God sent me to the earth. See, when you get born again, it's really the recovery of who you really are. Born again, born from above. When we get born again, when we get saved, it's really the restoration, oh my Lord, of God's original plan. That's why, I don't even mean to do this, but I guess I have to do this. That's why death doesn't bother a believer. Death to a believer doesn't mean the same to death to an unbeliever. Death is an enemy. Jesus defeated his enemy. Come on. He he rose up. He said that's the last enemy. He rose up above it. Come on. I can take you to the end and deal with that. But he rose above death. Death claimed him. He got up from it. My point is this. Since he defeated death, then that means death no longer has dominion. Y'all with me? Death no longer means to me what it used to mean. It's just another aspect of life now. So, let me hurry. Y'all still with me? So, it's where we place our importance on where we place emphasis on a single person will place emphasis on eternal things now go to verse number 22 the light of the body you see that is the eye if therefore thine eye be what single y'all still here okay The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, then what happens? Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now watch this now. Let me just go ahead and just deal with this. As Jesus is dealing this, dealing with this, he's really dealing with the lifestyle of hypocrisy versus the lifestyle of righteous living. Hypocrisy is represented in the scribes and Pharisees. It is in their formal living. It is in their liturgy. 
It is in their, uh, what am I looking for? Their forms and in their rights, R-I-T-E-S. In their forms and in their religious rights. That if they do something on the outside that we would look at and call righteous, they get their reward. So they were stuck on keeping the law. They were stuck on this religious form. And that religious form they used as their badge to be superior above others. So they had a righteous look. But they were dead internally. I believe it was the Apostle Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. Uh, where is it at? Mm, I think it's in 1 Timothy. Um, I can't pull it right now. It's not coming up. But he began to talk to them about in the last days, perilous, perilous times will come. When men will be lovers of themselves. Y'all remember that in scripture? Was that now? Chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, right? That's good. Matter of fact, let's go there. All right? Let's go to 1 Timothy first. If it's not there in chapter number 3, then we'll go to 2 Timothy. But the first one to find it, please stand. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Well, men will be lovers of themselves. Then it gives a list of things. And I think what I'm really after is verse number five, I believe it is. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Since you have it, what, what, what book, what letter? Second Timothy three. Second Timothy three. Begin. This is, this is the King James Version? Okay. This know also? Uh huh. That in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous. Bolsters. Run it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Incontinent. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Then lovers of... Come on. That's verse 5, right? All right, let me hear it. Yes. Denying the power thereof. Thank you. From such turn. Now, now here's the, thank you. Here's the thing about that now. It's talking about in the last days. Are we in the last days? Let me help you to identify the last days. The last days started... When Jesus, <laughs> when Jesus took the stage in ministry, when he died, and now we're in the, we're in the last days. Okay. Perilous times will come. And it begins to talk about the condition of mankind. Okay. If you look at it in a translation, the Amplified or even the New Living Translation, here's the thing that you will discover. You will discover there that these are religious folks that the Apostle Paul is talking about. 
He's talking about the leadership, religious leadership. He's talking about religious leadership behaving like this. That's why he brings out in verse 5, having a form of godliness. In other words, having the religious activities. They know church. They know, yeah. They, they know how to do church. And if I would bring it to the, the, the experience of, of, of what, what we know, we, we, we come in here and uh, we, we're good with the gospel singing. Because many times a good ch- a church is judged to be a good church by the good singing that you hear. Right? Good musicians. T- the talent of musicians. That's a good church right there. Okay? Then, now, I wear them and I wear them for a purpose. And that is my robes. I have several robes. I don't wear them all of the time. And people who wear them, you, I mean, that's preachers who wear them, that's their prerogative, that's fine. It is an attire that is symbolic of their leadership, their authority, their rank in ministry. It is symbolic of that. And I'm all for it. I have a, a number of them. But I personally wear them on for a particular purpose when I wear them. But then you have some who can't wait to put one on because of what it means to others. They want it for the symbolism of it. And they receive some type of power when they have it on. When they put it on, they feel a certain power over people. So their power is in the form, but they deny the very anointing, the power of God. Come on, y'all. Because we have embraced this outward expression, but internally we're dead. Y'all with me? So Jesus is teaching us that if we're going to be whole people, we have to remove the mask. We have to remove. You cannot fake this thing. No, come on. You can't, you can't fake this because if we watch you long enough, if we watch you long enough, who you really are, come on, you have, all you have to do is turn around and you'll have a split in the back of your robe. No, I'm just, you know, I just thought a hospital for a second there. Man, we have good presentation in the front, but don't turn around, please. <laughs> but, 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 but there is this thing, you know what I mean? That, that there's this facade, there's this, uh, 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 this, this mask, hypocrisy, this mask that we wear. Making people think. That we're whole and complete and entire and lacking nothing. But if we watch you long enough and observe you long enough, you will reveal who you really are. 
And so the Apostle Paul, even in 2 Timothy in chapter 3, if you go on and read it now, you, they'll go on and tell you now about these leaders who who have the form of godliness, who deny the power, how they lead silly women captive. Praying on them, P-R-E-Y, on them, praying on them. The scripture goes on and Paul continues to teach his son, don't worry about it because it's going to be revealed. After a while, if you keep reading, after a while, he says it's going to be revealed. Now I'm going somewhere with this. It's going to be revealed. Okay. He says, with this, he wants us to know in verse number 22, chapter 6, Matthew, that the light of the body is the eye. The light of the body is the eye. And if the eye is single, thy whole body shall be full of light. What it is saying concerning single, it is talking about spiritual understanding. That when your eye is enlightened to spiritual things, oh man, it will then bring light to the whole house, to the whole body, to your whole being. The, 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 the idea is that you and I, if we're going to stay whole, if we're going to be whole and then stay whole, then we must stay in the word of God. Amen. We must practice the word of God. This must be, this has to be, let me hold this, this has to be the manual for living. If I want to be whole, I cannot look at a dictionary. If I want to be whole, I can't read some other uh, other novel. If I want to be whole, I can't be reading certain diaries and all of this other kind of stuff. If I want to be whole, I got to leave Playboy alone. If I'm going to be whole, come on, I need to leave these magazines alone. I'm going to go ahead. I don't even care. If I'm going to be whole, I got to leave Star Magazine alone. If I'm going to be whole, I need to leave Soap Opera Digest alone. I need to have this as a manual for living right here. Because the moment I move this, which is the light, the moment I move this out of my eyes, then I will, and put my eyes somewhere else, I now bring the darkness through my eyes, which brings darkness in my house. My eyes are the windows that allow the sunlight to come in. My eye is the lamp in the house that brings light to the house. So whatever I am gazing on, whatever, watch this single, whatever I am focusing in on, I bring that inside of me. I bring that. So the key is to understand that the light of the body is my eye. Whatever I am gazing, focusing, living by, I bring that and it now illumines my life. Can I take it further? 
So now it carries the second meaning that whatever I embrace as my practice, I also, through my eye, bring that into my body. Watch this. My body becomes the vehicle that carries out the light that I bring in. My body is a vehicle. I carry out what I allow in. Then if I am deceived because I live by my lower nature, by my lustful passions, without the influence of the Holy Spirit in my human spirit, if I live like that and I think I'm in light because I'm, in, I'm into forms, come on, I'm into forms and rights, come on, and programs, I'm actually deceived that I'm in the light bringing that darkness in and it makes it more dark. I don't know, that don't make no sense. All right, I'll say it makes it darker. Because first of all, I think I'm in the light, but I'm deceived. That's darkness already. And so I bring my deception, which is already darkness, inside my house and make my house darker. So if I make my house darker... Oh, Lord, help me through here. If I make my house darker, that means I will live lower. Yes. I will live on the bottom. Hmm. Hmm. I have to understand how important it is to be single. Have a single not just this but have a single eye I'm illumined what I'm focusing yeah okay I will go to Proverbs chapter 4 look at verse number 25 oh my God Proverbs chapter 4 anybody getting anything yet all I'm really trying to do is, is help us to live Single to be whole, hallelujah. Because when you're whole, I, I already told you, when you're whole, you have the criteria for any partnership living inside of you. Remember when God pulled Adam and had him name all the cattle and all of the, all the animals. Come on. The Bible said after he named them all in chapter two, there was not found for him one that was suitable. Amongst all of them, there was not found for him one that was suitable. So God had to put him to sleep and he reached where? Inside of him. So the criteria, the criteria Lives inside of a whole person. I can't find, oh Lord, I can't find outside of me that which is suitable for me. So the criteria for me lives inside of me. God put the man to sleep and put, took one of his ribs. Closed him back up. Took the rib and built one like him. 
She just had hair. Okay. But I already told you, in principle, he called her woman. W-O means part. Woe, man. Part of man. Principle, part of man. Part of man. That just simply means God made one suitable for him from him. So your criteria for any partnerships outside of you lives inside of you. So now a whole person, where I tell you to go, a whole person has light in its body. Come on, don't, don't, don't get lost. A whole person has light. The eye, be single, brings light to the body. Okay, whole, come on, light to the body. Here's what happens. A single person, a whole person has light in him. Which means that my spiritual understanding, my spiritual perspective, because I'm locked in and I'm a God thinker, I'm a God thinker. I said that for Sister Sabrina. Because I'm a God thinker, right? Because my mind is renewed. I'm whole. God thinker. Now, inside of him, her, there is light. Y'all with me? So a person, a whole person, who is whole can only produce whole things. Okay, Proverbs 4. You got verse 25? Yes. King James Version? Yes. Ready? Read. Let thy eyes look right on, and let thy eyes look straight before thee. I love it. I love it. Anybody have the Amplified? All right? Amplified? Okay, all right, do it again. Let your eyes look right on. Let your eyes look right on. With, with what kind of purpose? Six. What kind? Six. Fixed purpose, uh-huh. And let your yes. You. It's talking about focus. It's talking about focus. Being single means to be focused. I'm a believer. I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm focused on what, Pastor Hodge? I'm focused on what, Bishop Hodge? I'm focused on what, Steve Hodge? I'm focused on what? Oh, I'll tell you what. Follow me over to 1 Corinthians. I'll tell you what I'm focused on. Chapter number 7. I'll tell you exactly what I'm focused on. You will find this principle locked up in a relationship scripture. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Lord, help me through here. Now, so I catch the whole thought. I got to start at verse number 32. Let me hear the first few words and make sure I'm writing the right book. Yeah, that's the one I want right there. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. King James Version. Come on. We got it here. There it is. Let's read. But I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried, care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may. I'll tell you what my focus is. My focus that's locked up in this principle right here 
Because that unmarried, if you read prior to verse 32, is talking about a person who is whole. That that unmarried state is a person who is also whole. So, I can read it like this, but I would have you without carefulness. He that is whole careth for the principle. I'm lifting the principle up now. I'm lifting the truth out of this now. He that is whole careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the That just simply means that a whole person is focused on what, Hodge? Pleasing the Lord. I'm trying to find ways to please God. When I get up in the morning, what can I do to please the Lord? When I have my noonday time, what can I do to please the Lord? What can I do on my job to please the Lord? What can I do in the grocery store to please the Lord? What can I do in my family to please the Lord? What can I do? I am consumed. When I'm focused and single, I am consumed with pleasing the Lord. God, how can I please you today? Notice what I didn't say. God, how can I please me today? Because you know, Joyce Meyer helped you out. What about me? What about me? What about me? What about... When she talks about people who always want to... What about me? What about me? A whole person is not saying, what about me? When that spirit of temptation to say, what about me, comes on you, a whole person knows how... To counter that temptation. Because what the enemy will do through using the flesh, through using temptation, will come and make you think God is hiding something from you. Okay. Let me hurry. How much time I have? Are you serious? You're serious, aren't you? Okay. Now, oh my, we may have to, we may have to. Okay. Thank you. All right. It's not just two minutes. All right. Thank you. Oh, Lord. I was trying to figure out how do I do this in 120 seconds. Okay. Now. A single person, a whole person is focused. Hmm, good. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Last lap. <clears throat> Y'all still with me? First Corinthians chapter number 13. Now, as we keep moving through this, we're still exploring these ways, these characteristics of being whole, being single, what it looks like, knowing what we have to come against. Okay. <clears throat> Scripture tells us that we're going to be in a fight to remain single. To, be, to keep to stay whole in a fragmented world. Yeah, staying whole in a fragmented world. I have to know my real pursuits. I have to make sure I keep a godly pursuit. I got to remember to stay focused. 
If I'm going to stay whole, I got to stay focused. It's not that difficult, y'all, to come out of your wholeness. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care what you say. You say all that stuff you want to say. It's not that difficult to miss the mark. We have opportunity every day to miss the mark. Some of you in here right now sitting, you're fighting against a demon that wants your attention. Some of us, our minds, we're thinking about other things and really don't understand we're under attack even now. Oh, yeah. Just that simple, just that sly, just that subtle. The Bible says that the serpent was one was the most subtlest beast of the field. And some of us in here were too minded. See, a single eye, and I didn't even deal with this, but a single eye also speaks to us. If if you're talking about a single eye, you're also telling us that if there's a single eye, then there's a double one too. That's why he says, and I didn't even do this because I was trying to move on, but he talks about after he talks about the single eye and all that kind of stuff, then he tells us, Jesus teaches us about how we cannot serve two masters. It's all wrapped up in there because there are two. There's two. There's the right one, then there's another one trying to get in there. I wrote a song some years ago, halted between two opinions. And the lyric says, my heart turns to God, but my mind seems so far away. Oh, I just thought of that song. Ooh, that's an oldie. Got to bring that back. Okay. So now, so it has to be done. So it's really about fighting against those things that's trying to move me off of my wholeness, off of my singleness. You can't serve two masters, but there are people who are trying. They're looking at both, at both ends. I'm going to tell you, can I just go ahead and tell you this? This is, I didn't even plan, this is nowhere on my notes. But when you have two or more masters, <clears throat> you have moved into the new age movement. Because the new age, I don't even mean that, but I'll just drop it on you. The new age movement says, I will, wherever I can find truth at, I will embrace it. Yeah, today I believe in Jesus. Tomorrow, Buddha is my man. Because there, there, watch this, there are good principles in different religions. You almost can't get no better meditation principle than from the Eastern religions. You almost can't get any better dietary principles than from Muslims and, and, and traditional Hebrews, Jews. Because they're big on the dietary laws. 
So the new age says, wherever I can find a truth at, I will embrace. Tomorrow I'll be a Jehovah Witness. You, you understand what I'm saying? Tomorrow I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and be a Muslim today. That's called new age thinking. So Jesus said, no, 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 you got to be single in your eye. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot be a polytheistic person. God is jealous. He will have no other God before him. The prophets of Baal found out when they went up against Elijah and Jehovah. The God who answers by fire, let him be God. Got 450 of them plus others. They get the calling on their God. Elijah says, maybe you need to cry a little louder. He can't hear you. Maybe he's in a far country somewhere. Maybe he's away. They begin to cut themselves, thinking that blood, at the sight of blood, it was summons his help. After they got done cutting themselves and doing all that kind of stuff to themselves, and Elijah said, okay, my turn. Poured water on the sacrifice. Hallelujah. Pray to his God, Jehovah. And the heavens open and God released fire. Consume the offering. Lift up the water in the trough. And the prophets of Baal looked. Your God is God. So God, Jehovah is never at the mercy of any other God. He just says to the believer... You cannot serve two masters. It is impossible. You will love one and hate the other. By virtue of loving, by virtue of embracing two simply means that you are dark and confused. Okay. All right. All right. Y'all made me go there. I wasn't planning. I was really trying to get somewhere. So now we're not to be 12 and 2 Romans, not to be conformed to this world, to this cosmos, to this culture, to the system of the world. But we've got to be transformed. Somebody said transformed. Transform. Tell somebody changed. Change. So I've got to be renewed. If I'm not renewed, then I will live from my unrenewed state. Flesh. Okay, now, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Don't despise this. Don't, 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 don't turn it away because you're looking at it. Ha, 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 ha. Don't despise it. It says, verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child. Is that in your Bible? Yeah. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish Things. Y'all see that? Yes. When I became a man, I put away what? 
childish things. It says there in the New Living Translation, when I was a child, I spake and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, from write this down. Some of you heard me do this teaching some time ago, but I want to bring it back. Some of you may have never heard me do this teaching. Number one, infancy to childhood. Number two, childhood to adolescence, which is youth. Number three, chronological adulthood. Number three, chronological adulthood. There are three stages of development in a person's life. From infancy to childhood, number one. Childhood to adolescence, adolescence over teen years, number two. And chronological adulthood. The three stages of development in life. If I'm going to be whole, if I'm going to be single, if I'm going to be lacking nothing, if I'm going to be entire, if I'm going to live a life where you can't fool me, if I'm going to live a life of fulfillment, if I'm going to live at the top in life, then I have to complete the stages of development. The challenge that we had with one of the world's pop stars, I won't tell you his name, but his initials are MJ. The challenge that MJ had was not his talent. He was one of the most talented and gifted persons on this planet. And they take it all the way back in all time, all of time. Young man could dance. He had a lot of help to help him sing. Had lots of money. They said of this this man whose initial was MJ, that when he would do a concert and the people would come, that the people would feel a spirit. That people would literally faint. Because they felt a power. If it was not the power of the living God, then it had to be an alien power. A power born out of the soulish, soulish portion of man. That's too deep. I won't mess with it too much. Because when you deal with power that's born out of the soul, you have also opened yourself up to a whole nother world. That whole nother world is a world of condemned things. Soothsaying is a condemned practice. I'll just leave it at that. But when you flow out of the soulish arena and those, those soulical powers are flowing, you have also opened yourself of that to, your, to that world. Yes, 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 yes. 
as well. Okay? This young man's issue, one of his biggest problems in life is that as a child, he had to be a performer, which means that he had to work and practice hours upon hours per day, every day. Until when he, when he moved from his infancy to childhood into, to the adolescence, he was working. He did not have the privilege of interacting with a lot of others in classroom settings and learning. Hence, chronological adulthood hit him and he was acting like a child. So his life became suspect, inviting little boys to the house. I wasn't there. I'm not as here to accuse him of anything, but I'm here to say that his life was suspect that it warranted investigation. Said that pretty good, didn't it? His life was such that it was suspect and questionable. Then you got Liberace's guy saying that he was, him and Mike were, were, oh, I said his name. (laughs) Him and MJ were friends. They were lovers. Uh Whole nother world. Okay. Now, my point there is because he missed the developmental process. He never finished his childhood. Therefore, as an adult, he was still trying to live it out. He died a fragmented man. He lived in a prison, though he had lots of money. Y'all hear me? So let me hurry up because of my time. It is critical that we finish our infancy to childhood stage. And my, for what I, what I want to give you, I want you to consider your process growing up. I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to go, I'm going to go there for real because I have to. Because a lot of us are living lives still fragmented, trying to get an answer, asking God to help us. But there are some things that are still open because every time he heals us, we fall back into that same trap. Healing and wholeness are two different things. Healing and wholeness are two different things. They are not the same. You can get healed from that thing, but yet 4 and 27 of Ephesians is operating in your life. You give place to the devil and the stuff returns again. When we are made whole, oh man. When we are made whole, that means internally my soulish man has not just been healed, but I've been restored. And now when I'm whole, my wholeness, my singleness speaks to my body. It gives command to express how I am. So if my body is under attack, with pain because I'm whole internally, 
I will speak to the pain and the pain has to leave me. It can't stay there because the criteria for relationship with anything lives inside of me. And if that is illegal, I push it off of me. Okay. So we have to complete each stage of life. I don't qualify to go to the next stage of life until I have completed the first stage. Consider, did you finish your childhood? Or did you have to become something early? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Some of us were parents early. In our teenage years, we were, we were parents early, which cut across and preempted a lot of the things that we needed to do to finish out our teenage years. Because now we take on responsibility that was not relegated to that time of life. And so now at 24 and 25 and 30, I have to finish out my teen years. Now I have children and I want to go hang out with all my buddies and girls all over the place. Now I got children, but now I I want to go now on uh, spring break. I want to travel the world now. So here, mother, take my children so I can go. I don't even, I'm going to say it because I don't mind. It's real life. We have handed over our children to our mothers Right? While we go gallivanting around. Because we didn't finish. I know it's the truth too. Because we didn't finish. So now we want to try to finish it now when we got these kids. It's quiet in the quiet section, but that's quite all right. Got nine kids now want to go back to school. Ain't nothing wrong with going back to school, but you have to understand what you're up against to go back to school now. When you don't complete the stages in life successively like you're supposed to, you will rob from your future to finish your past. Yeah. That's right. You will rob your future so you can finish your past. Right? And then now I'm 50. Now I want to live. Well, God can do all things. But I need, to, I need us to understand as I close. I need us to understand that we must finish every stage of life if we're going to be whole people. And finally... Let me close with this. Even in our physical anatomy, the decision-making part of our brain is not fully developed until we're around 25, 26 years old. So how at 18 you going to make the best decision in life? Your brain ain't finished developing yet. The, the, the part of your brain that's the primary decision-making part of life, not even developed yet. 
Amen. So living single is not necessarily the qualifying aspect of being married, but it is how you live whole and complete in life. Amen. Y'all receive that? Amen. Go ahead and bless the Lord, everybody.